Breaking the Panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are. If you want to support the show and get a little something in return, just go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel because we do appreciate the help. Now, my, I'm, I'm actually asking, are you planning on talking or you just riding on like you do with the rock guy? No, I, I'd like to be on the show. Okay. I mean, it's... Oh, well, then f*** no. <laughs> oh, I th- yeah, no, get the f*** out. <laughs> These days, the comic book owns pop culture. You'll find it all in the panel of your favorite comic book. Us, we're living the comic's life. We're breaking the panel. And welcome to Breaking the Panel, your weekly download for everything that is awesome to talk about in the realm of games and comics and geekery and fun stuff. Of course, Rogue One is out now, but we're not going to spoil any of that today. I'm Rock Guy Podcasting, Charles McFall, and along with me are these spoil sports who hate my awesome and creative intros. So here's the very boring Paul Klotz. Yo. Yeah. Here's the, the other water on the wet paper sack, uh, Chris Wisdom. This is the wet paper sack that hasn't seen Rogue One yet. <laughs> and uh, joining us is very, very special guest and producer of the show, Mike Woodard. Hey! Now, Mike, do you do you like the intros I give the boys, make them my boy toys? You like that I, stuff? I love them to death, man. See? See, somebody likes it. When I sit there producing this show, when I'm building <laughs> my, my reality-warping abilities to try and make this thing sound exciting... You know, aside from the crap that you guys give me every week to work with. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the rum and coke comes out. All right. So uh, what you're saying is you're a poop smith. You, <laughs> you, mold, you mold our but, poop into something. But, but you know, we in, in, in our realm, we just call that Kevin Smith. Oh. Oh, too soon? No. Um, okay. I'll, I'll insert some cricket sounds out. <laughs> ah, you're fired. All right, <laughs> Law. Here's here's some headlines to fire off some more conversations. Here, Jennifer Lawrence uh, was, of course, promoting her film with Chris Pratt. Uh, Passengers, I think is what it's called. Yes, yes. Yeah. And it actually looks it looks kind of interesting. I don't think I'll go to the theater to see it, but it definitely looks like a Netflixable HBO watchable movie. If you're not going to the theater uh, to see Rogue One. Why would you go to the theater to see this? What's wrong Chris, with you? I, you know what? See, Chris doesn't pay attention on this show because we had a really real moment like months ago where my daddy, because I because I never said it that way because I said, my daddy, and, and Klaus was like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sorry, your daddy don't want to go with you. But my dad wants to see it with me. He's actually never mentioned going to see a movie with me ever. He just asked if I've seen. If it's a comic book related, he'll wait till three weeks after the movie. I was like, "Hey, have you seen it?" I'm like, "Yeah, Dad. I, I run a, a network about comic books. I, I, I go opening weekend." Uh, but he wants to see this film, and he's actually going to go. He usually goes three to four weeks after, but we're going to go on Wednesday, Chris. So there. So I am going to see it with my dad. Anyway, <laughs> but Jennifer Lawrence uh, was. My daddy. <laughs> I'll do this all day long. I don't care. Uh, but Jennifer Lawrence was asked during the thing, would you like Would you like to be in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 with Chris Pratt? And the, the quote is, oh, my God, I would love to. She says, I'd love to choose that over doing another X-Men movie, maybe. Uh, I won't be Mystique in the X-Men movies, but I would love to be Mystique in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I wonder if that can happen. And, of course, uh, it is impossible. Now we're going to talk about false rumors. But what do you guys think? Because we know she was tired of playing Mystique in the X-Men films, but apparently it's not the character. And we theorize is the fact that she had to be, like, basically naked the whole film and had the body paint. But apparently, maybe, I'm reading into this, it might be something about 
the Fox universe or how that's handled. What do you guys think? Well, do you think CGI's gotten to the point now where she can just put on a, a you know, a suit and then have them layer everything on after? After seeing Rogue One, I don't think she even needs to be in the movie. Paul? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> no, I mean, really, nobody has to be in any movies anymore. I, I mean, that's the real, like, I... I'm it, sorry, guys. Like, I hate to spoil this for you, but anybody could be in any movie now, and Rogue One proves it. Yeah. Okay, guys. Just just so you know, just for, just not spoiling anything. We're not spoiling, but I will, in a context for you, the younged up Hank Pym and the younged up Tony Stark that we've seen. Yeah. Those were Phase One and Phase Two. Those those were those were those were Version One of what the technology is at now. It is insane. I can't tell you how many times I went, holy. Every time a person showed up on screen, I love, I love that you paused like you were going to censor yourself, and then you didn't. I, I did. No. It was going to be an F, F bomb and a half. Uh, yeah, everybody's you know favorite you know imperial villain, Grand Moff Tarkin, appears as Governor Tarkin in Rogue One, and this it he, clearly it's CGI because that gentleman was quite old when he did the original film, and he died in nineteen eighty whatever. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, well, okay, but that has nothing to do with Jennifer no, no, no. Lawrence in her quote. It does, though, because they, his face, they, not only did they recreate his face, and you can tell it's CGI, like you know in your mind, but it is so good that, like, you, it doesn't bother you. Like, it completely jumps over the Uncanny Valley, which is a thing in game design. Like, when you render, you know, people, there's a point where if they look too real, people get weirded yeah. out not a problem and they also did the same thing with leia like she she they made carrie fisher digitally not look like a day over 18 like it was amazing it's absolutely incredible insanely amazing and i i, I was she, when these happened was she wearing underwear this time no yeah. she wasn't they they digitized it out no <laughs> they digitized it out <laughs> no well, she was wearing that white smock yeah. thing from the 70s yeah. so you know yeah. no, my thing was so unless jennifer lawrence got a real good deal on her likeness rights for, for Fox for merchandising. And which is right. where I think Lucasfilm probably Lucasfilm Disney made away because I'm sure that the actors in the movie gave their likeness rights for the merchandising that nobody could foresee like George, George. Right. Lucas did. But unless I mean, back in those days, yeah. but unless Jennifer Lawrence made a mint on her likeness rights or some sort of back end on using her likeness rights, I'm pretty sure Fox could do the same thing and just say, okay, well, thank you for your time, but we're going to have like, make- 20 mystique movies without it. I can make like two or three more trilogies of bad X Men movies. (laughs) This is what you get when half the crew went to see a movie before the other half of the crew went to see a movie. I mean, the whole idea was that she did not want to be in the movies anymore, but yet she's wanting to bring the character to Marvel. What do you think changed? I think Rogue One changed. (laughs) I'm I'm saying that Marvel is owned by Disney, and Disney has proven now that they have the power to put anybody they want in any movie they want. Yeah. They don't even have to show up Dude. on set. Dude, well, do, you, do you think that means... Wait, wait, hold on, Mike, sorry. Do you think that means we'll never go a year without a Tom Hanks movie for the rest of eternity? Because <laughs> that'd be okay. 
<laughs> what? Tom Hanks is a national treasure. You shut your mouth. He is a Don't national treasure. Call your daddy. Well, he is a national treasure. That's what I'm saying. We'll never have to go without him being a national treasure again. He might die, and we'll still have a Tom Hanks movie coming out. Because never die. Talking. You take that back, but, you horrible man. Hey, 2016 is not over yet. It's the holiday season, and this is the worst year. They're <laughs> ruining it. I think the problem is, is we might not see as many Tom Hanks movies because you no longer need Tom Hanks in a biopic. You can just have straight Sully in the movie and get an actor to play him, but you're going to have an actual Sully. You're going to have an actual Walt Disney <laughs> face to look at, and it's going <laughs> to amaze you and creep you out at the same time. Mike, what yeah. were you saying? Well, I was just going to say, when you got a, a situation like, for instance, uh, to pull somebody out of a hat, Alan Tudyk, mm-hmm. okay, the best actor who's never actually appeared in half the live-action films he's been in. Right. <laughs> and also, yeah, that- when you've got that kind of capability, uh, yep. going back to the original question, put her in that suit and let her act her ass off. Mm. Well, I mean, th- this also solves the Wolverine issue for Fox because yeah. they can yeah. just, they can digitize Hugh Jackman until the the sun explodes. I mean, it's the technology well, is here. You got you got to wonder how much of that's proprietary to Disney, but the technology, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine it probably is because we haven't seen it in anything else to any length yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, no, I mean, we, we, we should move on from this because it's, it's definitely yeah. like not it's a it's a phenomenal thing, though. It's uh, anyone who hasn't seen Rogue One yet, you'll see it. You'll notice it. You'll be like, damn, that looks good. Damn! Yeah. Every time they're on, you'll be—that's your reaction because you every time. The whole time Tarkin is on screen, I'm just like, "How do they do that? <laughs> <laughs> like, how did they do that?" I looked at Tyler and I was like, "Has cloning really gotten that good?" <laughs> yeah, right. So, All right. Hey, so to bring it back to passengers, to, to bring it back to passengers, though, um, mm-hmm. when you get a chance, anybody that hasn't seen it yet, go. Go YouTube the the BBC radio Playground Insults with Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence. It's just oh, yeah. that they do a press junket, and when, when co- co-stars of movies are doing a press junket, they go on the show, and they just sit across from each other in a studio, and it's just them, and they just insult each other. Interesting. And it's, that actually it's sounds fun. hilarious. Like, Chris Pratt's opening salvo was, why do they call it Joy. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I guess at, at the end... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, like they, I, they have a sex scene in Passengers, and Jennifer Lawrence's right. big one was um, before we filmed our sex scene. I had to drink a whole bottle of Pepto Bismol, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> she got him, she got him!" And then he fires back. He said, "During our sex scene, I could feel your beep," <laughs> and she meant she meant his engorged member, her engorged member. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's funny. That's hilarious. Thanks for the spoilers, Chris. Ah, you know, no problem. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. Go check out that thing, but let me tell you all the <laughs> yeah. best memes. Let me tell you all that first, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this week as well, I saw uh, an article that looked legit until I click on it about, oh, it's being confirmed. Uh, Fox, or, uh, Fantastic Four is returning to Fox, or returning to Marvel. And I click on it, and it leads with how Marvel has teamed up with Fox to do the TV shows uh Legion. Was it Legend? Legion. 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 And then there's one other. Uh, as, you know, with stuff we already knew. We reported on it last year, actually, and on what they're working on and those kind of things. And, you know, I'm waiting for it. The shooter drops. Like, hey, part of the deal is they're returning the rights. Nope. Then it goes on to rumor and theorize that this might open the doors. Like, 
You clickbait mf'er. I really hate you so because I mean it wasn't a clickbait headline. It was it was literally it's confirmed. Fantastic Four returns to Marvel Cinematic Universe, nope. and it was not that at all. It lied. It was, I mean I know I guess that's technically clickbait, but it wasn't like one of those. Oh my God! This greatest thing, yeah. You whatever. won't believe what so and so said about this, and then you go oh. through the entire fifteen slideshow yeah. presentation, yeah. and it's not even in it, and you're like, "I feel so cheated." Why so our PSA, our PSA this week is when it actually does happen that the Fantastic Four returns to Marvel, it will be people like USA Today and Forbes reporting on it, not uh, click on your mama's house.com, which apparently this is where that came from. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> now Klotz, you found a very interesting article. Is it Jezebel? I think it was. Okay. Well, I didn't find it. One of our listeners and a good friend of mine uh, found it and sent it to me this morning. And he, because we've discussed the such a good friend, you can't even name drop him. That's awesome, man. Thanks oh, for listening. I name drop him all face. the time. And then he comes <laughs> up to me afterwards and he's like, So you talked about me? And I'm like, uh, You're making it's Tom, it's Tom Hanks, isn't it? It's Tom he Hanks. Knows who he is, too. That's the thing. He's going to hear this in a few weeks. Well, and if, um, hey, Paul, in Paul's defense, if he name drops too much, then he'll knock you off your seat there, Charles. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I can't, like, just, you know, name drop all these. You know, famous podcasting people, and just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm friends." With I can't you. help that I know practically everybody in podcasting. So I can't help that I just happen to live in Atlanta, and everybody just happens to roll through Atlanta every season. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, pretty much. That's <laughs> this is how it rolls. In this I'm just so cool, and I, I just know people because like I, I hang out on the set of Sleepy Hollow all the time. I'm so tired yeah. of going to the company functions, and we have to play that Six Degrees of Charles McFall game. <laughs> so old. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, uh, in any, the, in any case, uh, Charles' fame or lack thereof notwithstanding. <laughs> what was linked to me was a... Uh, we've talked about whitewashing, Hollywood whitewashing on this show a few times in the past. And this isn't necessarily a conversation to debate the merits and or, you know, elements oh, far from of it, that yeah. debate. This is kind of a response piece to some of our speculation and what it was is it was a um it was in regards to tilda swinton and the ancient one character in doctor strange and so the article uh from jezebel was about how margaret cho in an interview recently said you know that she you know was kind of upset with the whole thing and i'm gonna give me just one second here i'm gonna pull up the article again because i just linked it in our chat here earlier today and um, so she basically, you know, she said Swinton ended the conversation by saying she produced a movie or was producing a movie starring Korean American actor Stephen Yun, and dropped the mic. So now, before you go, the whole the whole original article was set up to be contentious, right? Margaret Cho was on the right side of history, whitewashing is happening, and Tilda Swinton basically the art the portrayal was Tilda Swinton didn't care, right? And that her right. whole thing was, oh, well, I'm doing this other film with this Korean guy, so I'm awesome. And that was the pre presentation to the world. At, at, yeah, Mar Margaret standing. Cho was representing that they had a fight about it. Now, this article uses fight in quotations, but basically that they had a disagreement about it. So when Jezebel reached out to Tilda Swinton's representation, they responded uh, by, by sharing the email conversation that Tilda and Margaret had between each other. 
And I'm not. We're not gonna like read the whole emails to you or anything. This is out there, you know, in on the internet. If you Google it, you'll find it. It's an easy read too. I actually read the whole thing. Chris, about Chris will put it in today. the show notes. Yeah, it'll, it it yeah, only takes yeah. a couple minutes. The 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 gist of it, is, and I'm just gonna read you know a little bit here uh, from the her first letter. Uh, this is Tilda writing to Margaret Cho, and she says, "Dear Margaret, we've never met, but you've been in my head for years. I'm a fan." I want to ask you a favor now, which is sprung out of a truly important social conversation, but maybe heading for some crazy making shit. Her words. Uh, Mm -hmm. The diversity debate, all strength to it, capital letters for all strength, has come knocking at the door of Marvel's new movie, Doctor Strange. I am told that you are aware of this, but since I am that extinct beast that does no social media, I am unaware of what exactly anybody has said about any of it. I believe that there are some ironies about this particular film being a target, but I'm frankly much more interested in listening than saying anything much. Would really love to hear your thoughts and have a private conversation about it. Are you up for this? Can we email? No wrong answer here. Tell me to F off if you like it, uh, or if you feel like it in any and every case. Much love to you, Tilda. So I'm not going to read you. That's just the first, you know, salvo. And so Margaret responds very favorably. And they have a conversation. It's a couple of emails back and forth. And, you know, Margaret represents her side of it. She says, you know, that a lot of Asian Americans are very, you know, they're, they're upset. They're worried about representation. They're worried about characters that should tradition, you know, foreseeably be cast by Asian descent actors are being given away or warped or changed, you know, to, to non-Asian actors and actresses. And, what unfolds in the whole conversation is that Tilda makes it very clear to her that she is a progressive person. She cares about representation. Uh, she cares about people having a voice, especially, you know, people who, uh, you know, may not be the, you know, what's traditionally paraded around and that she's receptive to what she, and she even welcomes Margaret to reach out to friends. She says, people you may know or friends or whoever, like, let me get their perspective as well. If you want to get back to me. And so really what I wanted to bring here is uh, this is a very interesting thing that analyzes the whole social web that surrounds any kind of one of, you know, any of these social issues, right? Yeah. So often we, we read an article someplace and it is so biased, you know, I mean, and this happened in our recent election cycle here in America. It, it's happened overseas with other, th- it happens everywhere world over you read an article, you see a t- television presentation, whatever, it's got a bias. And you have to expect that there's going to be a little bit of a bias no matter where you go. But when you read an article where Margaret Cho is you know, quoted as saying she had a fight with Tilda Swinton, and then you see this email chain, and you know the email chain seems so legitimate. It would take a you know a Hollywood caliber writer to have faked yeah, this. You know it, what I mean? Yeah. It very much – Tilda's – Emails very much seem like her voice based on, you know, having seen her in interviews and such. I don't know as much about Margaret Cho, but I would imagine her seemed pretty legitimate as well. And so the, the gist of it is that she was very receptive to trying to talk about it, but she did, to a certain degree, defend her film. She said that, you know, uh, that Marvel was very cognizant of the, the landmine potential around the character and the film itself and some of the characters are part of it. And that she thought it was very progressive of them to find a way to navigate it and, and show a different perspective. Uh, also that they recast Mordo, you know, from a, a Transylvanian, you know, basically a white man that's in Fu Manchu, you know, like a really egregious costuming and look, you know what I mean? 
they recast him very bravely with with a British man of African descent. You know, so like it, it was very clear that Marvel was aware of what was going on, and she was too, though she's not, a, you know, someone who participates in social media. And so um, I just really wanted to bring this to the table and say, for, from, my, from my perspective, take everything with a grain of salt. And we talked about this at length. We've talked about it a few times. You know, my stance on um, one of the things that Margaret Cho said is that, you know, People, she almost like dismissed Tilda and was like in a way that was like we're you're not really our concern. We're really much more worried about Scarlett Johansson with Ghost in the Shell. Like she literally mentioned it. Huh. Um, I found that kind yeah. of interesting. But when uh, Tilda mentioned that they were working on a, it was a joint. I believe it was. Uh, let me look at the bottom here. So this is from Tilda. By the way, the project I have been developing as a producer over the past two years is with Bong Joon Ho. I hope I pronounced that right. I'm. You know, doing it phonetically. Uh, my colleague from Snowpiercer, a film called Okja, uh, shooting this summer in Korea, NYC, and Vancouver. To my knowledge, the first ever half Korean, half English speaking film, which we are making with Plan B and Netflix, in which the lead is a 14 year old girl from Korea, and which stars Steven Young, among others. Fingers crossed it will be a big deal and help the landscape somewhat. I hope and believe it will. And Margaret responds simply with one line Hey, that's great about Okja. And, you know, so they, they mentioned that they reached out to Margaret Cho's rep for further comment, and she, you know, hasn't responded as of yet. Um, so the thing is, that's not what happened, right? For, from this email chain, we're like, they didn't have a fight. They didn't even have a discussion, like a heavy discussion. They, they had a little bit of dialogue. Tilda was receptive to it. Margaret Cho was receptive to it. And then here we are, and what's being spouted in... You know, social media and spouted in articles is not the truth. Yeah, that was that was what my takeaway was too. I, I don't honestly know if Margaret Cho chose to go out and actually say and spin it as a fight, or if a writer of an article took some comments and spun it their own way. But what I thought was very refreshing was the release of the documents, basically the, the conversation, and that conversation moves things forward. I mean, you read through it, you see what she's talking about. How, like you said, Glass, how Marvel was was being very careful, and here's when. Here's how she saw it when it came to her. She was, and actually she did her research and read the comic books and said the exact same thing I said, which was the ancient one was very racist originally in the comics, the way it was drawn. I mean, it's drawn by a white man, so it's a, a very Fu Manchu, bad Asian stereotype originally. And she right. made that point too. And it's, it's really great conversations, the kind of conversations that actually change things as opposed to the sound bites and the BS that we spend in social media that will never change anything. It just keeps the problem going and making it larger. And that's why I wanted to bring it up here is not only to discuss it like we just did, but to have the ability for you to listen and to go read it yourself. Well, because what we get presented is, is almost never reality. That was, that was one of the things that, that kind of irked me a little bit was her casual dismiss, uh, Margaret's casual dismissal because her, her response to that, about the the ancient one and his his original portrayal in Marvel Comics was well I don't really read the comics so I I, I can't speak to that yeah like, she so did maybe say that, research yeah. it before you start having a position about something and that's the problem we have all these knee jerk reactions and we take no time to go out and actually find out facts for ourselves mm -hmm. and then and then if it doesn't suit our our personal narrative or, or our echo chamber then we just dismiss it out of hand and be like well that doesn't matter and you know it the thing is 
we know, like we can admit this now, comics doesn't have the best history as far as that goes. Predominantly written by white men for decades, you know? And honestly, like people of similar mindset and, you know, it wasn't until the last few decades here, the last 20, 30 years that we've really started to see not only just diverse, you know, more diverse stories and more diverse characters and storytelling, but also diverse perspectives. You know, things have changed. You know, it's, it's not all just, you know, X number of books each month that are put out with the exact same plan and the exact same mentality and the, you know, things have changed. Uh, and so, you know, obviously we're moving forward and things, not everything moves super quickly, but there's definitely awareness and focus on it. You know, that's what I, yeah. that's what I argued before. Cause, uh, she also mentioned, you know, she mentioned, uh, they wrote a significant Asian character to be played by Benedict Wong, you know, mm-hmm. that it was, was great. And I pointed that out, too, when we talked about this after seeing the film. I was like, he was great, you know, and we know he's going to be a bigger part of the future story. You know, that's clear because they saved him, you know, if, if, right. they, if they wanted to get rid of the token Asian character, they would have. But they didn't. They kept him, you know, for right. good reason. Uh, so, you know, that's and I don't mean that as in he's a token Asian character, but they could have treated him as such. They a could have, yeah, Definitely. exactly. I don't because they they. Other than his appearance and the fact that he's very obviously an Asian man, uh, they didn't really do any writing that pointed to it directly. You know, they weren't like, hey, look, you know, this is our guy. They just, right. He was there. He was a character. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is a, a very interesting topic. I think it's um, – I personally believe as a progressive, you know, politically, I think it's good to look at this stuff. But I'm also, you know, a moderate person in general, and I'm always like, you know – Let's not go all the way to the torches and pitchfork side of this just yet. Mm-hmm. And it's really refreshing for once to see a little bit of a glimpse at real people talking to each other and real yeah. conversation. And it's and it's also refreshing to see that they treat people very, you know, they treated each other civilly. And I'm glad that there wasn't this big argument because that would be, mm-hmm. you know, really upsetting. So, hey guys, before we before we move on, I, I've got a question for the the three of you. It's a thought that I have sometimes but I never hear anybody talking about it. I'm curious of your opinion. How correct is it? How right is it that these actors and actresses who are cast in these roles have to take the heat for just trying to get some work? That's a good point. Yeah. That's a very real thing. You know, I mean, that that is one of the arguments that, you know, a lot of the Asian Americans that are behind this, uh, behind the big push like the to try to bring visibility is they're like listen we can't get good jobs you know we can't get good roles we go out for roles and we get turned down or we go out for roles and then they're like all right now try it again with an accent you know stuff like that so it's like they feel like unless they're going out for a stereotypical role they don't have a chance so like let's say for example something like this uh, chris pratt jennifer lawrence film somebody like john cho might audition for that and there's really, as far as I know, there's no reason why he can't be the romantically, you know, male lead in this film. But I, they're saying that they would never get considered. You know what I mean? And that is a fair criticism. You know, so and that does fall on the industry, not the actors themselves. Um, it's tough, though. I mean, people are every actors try out for dozens of films a year. You know what I mean? Often, like, especially the ones who you see in a lot of different stuff, they're going out for it. You know, I mean, not every film is like set up where they're like, that's our guy. You know what I mean? Like he's our guy. Right. That's our girl. We're going after them no matter what. They very often take a couple years to try to figure out exactly who they want. And some of the best performances we've ever gotten have been because, you know, 
Guy number one was like, I can't do it. Guy number two was like, oh, I booked something else because you didn't have me lined up. And then guy number three or a girl number three rolls in and they crush it. You know, they put out right. an amazing performance and they want it. They're so hungry for it. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, well, I this is an opportunity. And they, they just smash it and they have these awesome performances. And we get, you know, legendary, timeless films out of that sometimes and performances. or And sometimes they find an unknown, you know. So, yeah, I think actors have to go out for work, man. You know what I mean? Like, they got to try. Like anybody, you know, you got to go for it. And uh, I don't think it's fair to levy the uh, the criticism and the hate at them necessarily because it's not their job. They don't get to make those decisions at the end, you know. it's uh, They're just trying to get work. I just I wonder sometimes, you know, and using Tilda Swinton as an example, she had to know what she was going to be up against, you know, when she was cast for the role. Well, I don't think you I don't I don't think you can assume that originally because of if you go and read it, she talks. She actually does talk about the process a little bit, but it's Tilda Swinton. Right. I seriously doubt she has to go audition. She might read for a role because they're considering her with somebody else, possibly blah, blah, blah. But it, she's at that level, right, where it's a name. This is one of the three or four names we'd possibly like to get for this role. And so yeah. she gets presented a script, and you would be considered for the ancient one, and she's going to be this Celtic woman, and this, and here's some of the lines, and she has to read through the script. Now, maybe, maybe you can assume that she'll do a little bit more research and possibly Google it online or, or maybe go to a comic book store. But you can't really assume that she's going to go, oh, they're rewriting this Asian character to be a Celtic character, and I'm going to be up against this big backlash. I'm thinking more along the lines of, here's a script. Is it good? Do you like it? I mean, we talked about this last week where uh, Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, is going to be in Transformers 20 or whatever number it's up to now. <laughs> you know, that's that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't necessarily know that. Well, okay, with Transformers aside now, I mean, hopefully he is at least aware of what Transformers are. But uh, I don't know, Mike. I think that you can't necessarily assume that she would know what she's going to be up against just from originally reading the script and deciding it's a good project. I well, I guess my point is that I don't think that these actors should be blamed for agreed, the agreed. decision to cast them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that they have to take that heat is really unfortunate, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, uh, I'm sorry, Chris, I'll let you speak in just a second. Uh, I oh, think won't. of like Scarlett Johansson, you know what I mean? Like Scarlett Johansson is taking a lot of flack for the Ghost in the Shell film. That's not really her fault. Like she's just, I'm sure she's taking the role seriously. Once we see the film, if she phoned it in and she's, you know, lazy about it and doesn't act very well in the film and it just seems like garbage, which we see. We've seen people take roles they don't care about. We've seen them phone in a performance. I mean, they're legend. Some of them are legendary. They're obviously bad. They're obviously not, you know, a priority for them. And that would be something I would be more upset with. Is like if you got cast in the in in a role like that, and you are effectively replacing the potential of an Asian American or somebody else who more aligns with the original content, and then you don't take it seriously, you don't give it a hundred percent, you don't you know put in a great performance, then I would be in line saying, hey, you know that was messed up because there's lots of people who would have killed for that chance. You know what I mean? But I don't know that we're at that point yet, and so we're you know we're we're it's also you know very similarly it's uh. You know, the over-sexualization of women in media and in films and stuff. Sometimes people try to, you know, it's the whole the slut-shaming, to use the word, you know. 
Um, I don't agree with that either. It's not necessarily the subject that is, you know, the, the person who is the example of its fault. They're doing their job. They're, you know, they're going out for work and that is, you know, that's the nature of their business. You know, we can lean on the business and say, Hey, you as the, you know, the companies who make these films, you have a responsibility, you know, to, to be ethical and responsible, but it's not necessarily on the actors who are just signing up for a gig and showing up and doing the best they can. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. So, uh, Chris, to, you had words to say. I, I, is it cool now? I mean, have the white people finished speaking? Is it, is it okay? <laughs> I'm just wondering. I just wonder. I, I, I'm at the back of the bus. I can't hear everything that's going on. No, <laughs> you're, you're. You got, no, you got thirty seconds. Sir. <laughs> no, what I want to say is, I think, I think some, I think some leeway needs to be given in all directions. Um, from the perspective of, of those minority actors that aren't getting aren't getting the parts we still need to look at the history of hollywood as a whole and in general are things getting better yes is it incremental and would people like to see it change bigger steps yes absolutely so we need to keep that in in mind and perspective as they make these arguments because they're coming are they a little more aggressive than they need to be yes but is it because they're is it possibly because they're fighting from the crouch you know they're 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 they've got the low ground they're they're trying to battle their way up so if they're a little bit more venomous than they need to be, I don't agree with it, but we need to give them the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Um, as far as, you know, did, should Tilda have expected this backlash? I'm, I'm going to say yes, because maybe she personally didn't know the history of comic books or even, even where the studio was sitting at that time, but then her agent, her representative, the producers of the movie, they failed her by not informing her of, hey, this is probably going to be a pretty big deal because of the landscape of Hollywood right now. Any, anybody that doesn't, so, that doesn't expect this sort of backlash when taking a role like that after um, so white, hashtag Oscar so white happened, then you need to get out of the game. I'm, well, not that saying that, I'm not saying that she shouldn't have taken the part. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that she needs to understand what comes with the part, the responsibilities yeah. that you have and the things that you're going to face because of it. I would also point out you got to keep in mind sometimes something like the, that Oscar situation happens after you've already agreed to do something it, like the landscape shifts and sometimes it shifts quickly sometimes it's like all of a sudden something is a major you know social faux pas you know what I mean like it's you can you can end up being on the wrong side of something on accident absolutely absolutely yeah no I I agree but again if 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 she if if they could not unwrap their minds around the, the potential for backlash that was going to come, then there are people that don't deserve to be in the jobs they're in. No, so, sure. so it sounds like you're kind of saying she should don a green hood and shoot him in the chest because oh that's the last God. time yeah. that they failed her <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're pretty harsh on that. They have failed her. And I like it for the last time. Well, I mean, that's what they um, get paid six figures and up for. And they're, they're, they're <laughs> yeah, points on every what? contract. Yeah, sure. But only if they're in a notebook that her dad gives her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, hey, you know what? You can help continue this conversation over at Facebook.com forward slash Breaking the Panel. We'd love to hear your thoughts and converse with you there on it, and it'd be awesome. So moving on quickly, on December 15th, I was looking forward to Super Mario Run, right? The the Nintendo franchise that basically kicked open the door for all video games, in my opinion. I mean, yes, there were games before, but Mario Mario was very iconic. And it's like, oh, I'd love to play a Mario game on my iOS device. That'll be fun. And I downloaded it. 
And it's okay. I was I was actually kind of unimpressed. I played it three different times. You gave it a couple runs. I'm like, I don't know. It's just I I don't get it. It's not quite grabbing me. It's not a bad game. It's very beautiful. Graphics are very Nintendo. The the whole thing is is screams Nintendo for sure. It's very cool. Until you get to the castle at the end of the first world, right? There's the, there's world there's six worlds and there's various areas in each world and they're very much Mario lands and villains and that kind of thing. And the first, you know, I played through the first three worlds and oh, that's fun. And I get to the castle. I want to see what the castle is going to be like. And as soon as you tap the castle, it says World One Four, which is this one, uh, has to be purchased. Go to the purchase screen, or you can try it out for twenty seconds. I was like, what? All right, well, I've been collecting coins. Maybe I have to unlock, right? You get your coins, you have to unlock. Nope, I hit the purchase screen. The only option you have is there's six worlds and various you know, dash areas in each. Only one, two, one, 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 two, and one, three are open. The rest you have to pay $9.99 for what? to get everything unlocked. And yeah, they throw in 300 coins and this and that and the other, but you do not get access to anything else in the game until you pay 10 bucks. I was like, that's not an in-app purchase. That's buying the game. That's a uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did. I deleted it. I did. I was like, uh, I mean, I, I looked at it two different ways, three different ways just to make sure. Went back to play it another level just to see if I really like, nope, delete it. I mean, I get I get, I mean, the games like Lara Croft Go, which was before Pokemon Go, it, it was just a thing. Yeah, I've seen the reviews. I've actually talked to people who played it. It's supposedly a really good in-depth game for your tablet. It's a different experience for Tomb Raider, and it's like $5.99, but you, you outright purchase the game. I, there's plenty of games out there like that. No harm, no foul. But when you give me a quote-unquote free-to-play game with in-app purchases, but I'm really having to buy the whole game, that's what I don't understand. So I'm assuming you guys haven't even downloaded to try it. I, I haven't. I run games. Don't really do it for me. I tried the Spider-Man uh, Spider-Man. Uh, it's a little different than that, but yeah, run games don't really yeah, do it for me. Either. It's, it's definitely traditional side scroller. Uh, the mechanics are one, one finger. It, it even promotes that. One of the tips is you can play Super Mario run with one finger, but it's it's a little different. It's not an endless runner. I mean, it's very much Mario. He runs on his own. You're telling him when to jump and do little tricks, and that's about it. And it's about coin collecting, which was a little thin for my flavor. But yeah, hitting that that paywall and uh, clots. It sounds like you didn't even give crap to try it out. I didn't even know about it until you just brought it up. Yeah, I knew it was well, coming. I didn't remember the the release date. But so yeah. I'm looking at like, an article from the TechCrunch from the 16th. And uh, so at the end, it says already there's a ton of backlash about this on the App Store. Around half the game's 33,000 ratings are one star ratings. Wow. Uh, many users, that's, that's however, many users are playing. Sensor Tower says the game has earned over $5 million in the first 24 hours. Mobile Action puts these figures higher, saying it made $8.3 million in the U.S. alone on Thursday. But App Annie says it only pulled in $4 million worldwide on day one. So. Hmm. Well, those numbers are very divergent. Yes. I mean, not hugely when in the world of making millions and millions on apps, but uh, fairly divergent. And I, I, you know, I, I knew it was coming on the fifteenth because uh, one, it's a huge ad for the last month in the iOS store when you log in, and uh, I also had signed up for the email. Well, I, on the fifteenth, I didn't get a chance to play it. But I saw friends of mine saying, "Oh, you know, it's great," and this and that. So, oh, I'm looking forward to it, and it's really. 
it might be okay if I didn't have to pay 10 bucks, but I'm surprised people just hit, yeah, let's buy this game. And the, I mean, it's just presented horribly, right? It's like, tricked you. You can't actually play. I don't know. I think a major ball was dropped here because all the, not all, but 90% of the criticism that I've seen online and heard from hosts of game podcasts that I listen to is that people want it to be deeper than just a, a runner. People wanted this particular game that has such nostalgia value to be something yeah. more than what it wound up being. And then when in-app purchases are, you know, what you're saying, I haven't checked it out myself, but uh, in-app purchases will will interrupt a game so much that I'll bail out because of that. So, so many balls dropped here. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see, moving on to some rumors, because I thought this was an art legit article, too. It said, Will Smith and Megan Fox are joining Margot Robbie for Gotham Sirens, but then as you read the the article, it actually comes from the Inquisitor, which I should have realized when I saw the link. Uh, it's rumors that they will, but the reason I still brought it in is not to gripe about rumors. It's to go, okay, Megan Fox is somewhat controversial among geeks. I personally don't really care for her. I don't think she's that pretty. I don't think she's a great actress. But the rumor is that she's up for the role of Poison Ivy, and I wanted to hear what you guys had to say about the possibility of that. Yeah. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> I love Claude. No, thank you. <laughs> right? Like, don't get me wrong. I don't have a problem with Megan Fox, and... She's done a few films, like, for example, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People, uh, that where she shows some promise. I think she's capable of being a good actress. Um, I just think she just signs up for a lot of garbage. You know what I mean? Sure. But not Poison Ivy. She doesn't... She'd have to, like, completely surprise the crap. You know, like, completely pull a 180 stylistically as to how she's acted in other films for me to be like, all right. You know, so it, maybe she's got it in the tank, but I don't feel it. I haven't seen it so far. Yeah. I'm with Paul. It's They could just make a better choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris? I, I, she's pretty. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, and that's my, my thing is Poison Ivy is way more than pretty. She's way more than just a body. She's yeah. very much a seductress. She was, to me, one of the female villains who wasn't just drawn slutty. She was a seductress with how she did things, but she was very smart too, very manipulative, saw the puzzle three steps ahead. You know, it's it's you have I, to be able to encompass all of that for I'm gonna actress. I'm gonna risk ridicule here. Yeah. But okay. I, you know, I, I hearken back to thinking of Uma Thurman's you know, her version of the character. And while that film has has plenty of issues. Uh, I don't think she was terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I think that was good, decent casting. I think she tried. Um, obviously, they were going for a very campy, very yeah. comic book style yeah. film. Uh, yeah. And to that, she played it quite well. But she's somebody who has shown that kind of range in the other roles that she'd been in up to that point. And, you know, since then in Kill Bill, she, you know, she's capable of being a little bit you know, more devious than she is on the surface. So she yeah. nailed it for the most part. I mean, that in, in a film of some serious atrocities to the Batman franchise, <sighs> yeah. uh, she she did all right. So, I mean, you got to find somebody like that, somebody who's got a little a little funk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, that was just a classic <laughs> good actress in a bad role. And, and 
Carrying yeah. mm-hmm. the Poison Ivy issue a little bit further into uh, Gotham, as much as I've grown to love that TV show, I just want to beat somebody over the head for what they're doing with the character right mm-hmm. now. It's so bad. Yeah. So, you, you know, you know, you guys know what I'm going to say. You know who I think should play Poison Ivy. Who? Who, Charles? McCarthy. Melissa oh. McCarthy. <laughs> I, I thought he was going to say Michael Bay, so I'd rather. <laughs> oh, no, no. You thought I was going to say Idris Elba because he can pull off that dress like nobody's business. He could. <laughs> doesn't have the legs for it. No, uh, uh, I just love her to death. But no, she would not. She she would be a great skit, like I was there to lie for it. But uh, anyway, uh, but the I other mean, part they're not looking to recast the penguin, are they? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Uh, Will Smith actually was rumored that Deadshot will be in that movie, and my first thought was literally, why? If Margot Robbie is supposed to be running on her own and doing this great, from all accounts in the the because releases and the stuff, Hollywood why would you bring? Will that? Not let a lady run wild like that come on you have to they you, gotta, it's to let go no i get it but they they're they feel like they're gonna have to anchor it with a huge name margot yeah, robbie still, is a big name in hollywood right now but she's not established like somebody like will smith yeah is. but she she is i think and I, I mean this in a legitimate term for hollywood she's a hot property right now and i think if you move right. fast enough on it that you you could it, it's just yeah I mean I, I get I, you are absolutely right and it's still a rumor it's it's not a confirmed anything but yeah when I saw that rumor I was like come on oh. man the, the, she doesn't need a chaperone let her run the movie well the, the other thing is the presence of Will Smith in that film like doubles or triples its budget right off the bat so who knows? well maybe and she she wrote the treatment and presumably she'd help write the actual script so it would be her choice to have him in there unless the studio forced it on her I guess but. I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, because uh, Warner Brothers has a history of not forcing directors and writers to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, they get they get crystal clear artistic vision and <laughs> and only one version yeah. of the film, their version. Yeah. The way the, the never mind. Uh, and and then we're gonna stay on the girl power stories here. Mike, I believe you found an article about Wonder Woman. Yeah, it's the the UN's decision to uh, backpedal on making her uh, uh, an ambassador. When you read into that article, you see that the objections being raised had to do with the appearance of the character. Um, Maybe it's a little bit deeper than that, but the, the article, which is the only article on the subject I read, had to say she they described the sexualization of the appearance of Wonder Woman. And is that really the uh, the idea that we want to put forth to, to young women? And really, the only thing that crawled up my butt on that was in in a time where we're so focused on objecting to gauging things by appearance alone. Uh, isn't that the decision they just made? I, I don't now, know. I thought I, I didn't read that article. I found a different article. And I won't talk about that here in a second, because the headline for the article I found is file this under stupid. Yeah. Uh, but uh, now when do we, I don't know if it says here, when they made the UN, the United Nations, made Wonder Woman a cartoon character, a comic book character, uh, a world ambassador for women. And I'm trying to see what year they actually did that in. Um, I'm not saying it in this particular article, but it, it's been, it's, it wasn't this year. I mean, it's been a while. But right now, as, as of uh, the end of 2016, 
at the end of their session for the year, they actually took time out of their business day to vote her out. And I can't help but wonder with Chris finding some interesting articles a few months ago about how Wonder Woman is bisexual and this and that and the other, and now new movies coming out that uh, maybe there are some other things going on with the United Nations about why they want to distance themselves from her. Well, if that's the case, they're not, they're not making that case very well. I, I yeah. it seems to me like the, the original decision was based on the depth of history for the character and the type of character. Uh, what am I trying to say? The, the, young she should be the embodiment of female power. Yeah, exactly. She should be tough and strong on her own independent. So the decision was originally made on that. And then other people stepped in who maybe were not part of the original decision at all. I, I don't know how it works, but I agree with you that a lot of time and effort has been made by the UN to deal with this. That really could have been placed elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, honestly, not, I, you would like to read the positive into the headline of, Oh, they chose to make her an, uh, an ambassador for women's rights because of, of all these positive things. But yeah. seriously, she's a cartoon character. Aren't there real life people that would be a little better for this role? But here's why I filed this under stupid. Cause here's the headline. <laughs> Wonder Woman film unlikely, unlikely to be affected by decision of UN to dislodge the character as honorary ambassador for the empowerment of women and girls. <laughs> uh, see, that was I don't think anybody's going to that film because they thought she was the honorary ambassador of empowerment for women and girls. I'm pretty that sure. article was written by somebody who needed to generate some words on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's the long and short of that. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure the moral Batman of the story. Superman affected. Oh, affected Chris, movie. go cry in your corner. <laughs> go cry in your corner, Chris. You know what? In a positive it, way, it just... she was the best thing out of that movie. What are you saying, Charles? Come on. <laughs> well, Wait, uh... <laughs> in the movie, not related to somebody named Martha. <laughs> 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 All right, hey, moving on. You have missed it now. You have missed the Loot Crate Revolutions theme box where you would have gotten Assassin's Creed, Mr. Robot, and Firefly to put right under your Christmas tree. And I got to tell you, their Christmas boxes are really good. They come with really cool ornaments and all kind of wintry Christmassy goodness. But no, you didn't sign up by the 19th, so fully on you. But hey, coming up, we're going to get the theme soon for January, and you can go ahead and quit crying that you missed it for Christmas and go ahead and make your New Year's revolu revolution. <laughs> Viva la revolution and uh, overthrow your parents' monarchy. <laughs> and, and get, I've lost this, Klotz. I am out, man. Go sign up for Loot Crate. You got the until the 19th of every month. Check out LootCrate.com forward slash Giant Size Team Up and enter code Giant Size Team Up to save some money. Come back uh, next episode. We'll do better. I, I just, promise. I, hey, Charles, I just let like me do Loot Crate read. Yeah. Let or me interject like, oh, about like, Loot Crate that we never talk about. Uh, when you go to the website, there are sections you can go to to buy past boxes. And I love that. If you happen to miss out on a box... And they haven't sold out on it. They give you a chance to. That's the key. If they haven't sold out on it, you're right. Yeah, it, yeah, it absolutely. It's good. I love. I like the specialty stuff. You know, you can get the one. I think the aliens was a one off. It was a one time box. Uh, they had a, a Batman 25th anniversary something or some kind of anniversary box uh, last year. That was really good. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, Chris, what were you saying about the uh, read? Uh, I, I, I lost it. it. You're good. Uh -huh. 
All right. Well, here is some awesome information. Uh, Mike, you got giddy about this. Gypsy is coming to Flash season three. Yeah, Justice League Detroit represent. All right, that's it. Huh? So, uh, yeah. Nobody knows. All right, cool. Wait, no. <laughs> I just got to give grief when I can give grief sometimes. Uh, now, I am honestly very unfamiliar with Justice League Detroit. I apparently am familiar with some of the characters. Like, I've heard of Gypsy, and I've heard of Vertigo before I saw you know them on Flash. But uh, Sleepy Hollow's Jessica Camacho will be Gypsy in Season 3, bringing a new form of magic. And that's interesting because Flash really hasn't dealt with a lot of magic itself, has it? Not yet. But it's so kind of cool. To, well, it's kind of cool to me that uh, um, the Justice League Detroit characters—you've got one of them on Legends, and now two of them on the Flash—and I'm just loving the hell out of that as as an old school, you know, grumpy comic book guy. Um, <laughs> to see what is, you know, Justice League Detroit just got no no respect. Uh, it was the first time that they had stepped away from the the original traditional form of the Justice League, and it only lasted a little while, and it wasn't long before the big three were back, and uh, all those characters went back to being B status characters, quote unquote. So to see them be yeah. kind and used in the in the television universe just warms my heart. Now here's an interesting phrasing in this article from Digital Spy. Uh, it says the Flash and his Star Labs team will need all the superheroic help, superheroic help they can get as they continue the battle. The self-proclaimed God of Speed, Savitar, and his minions in Central City. What I'm confused about that is 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 he talking about she's coming in season three or is she coming in second part of season two? Because we're we're at the mid-season break. What's coming back? Which I would assume Savitar would be wrapped up in the second half of season two and not actually carry over to season three. Chris, do you know anything about this? I, 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 I lost, lost what you said, said, I guess, so. <laughs> okay. Wow, all right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I was listening to your words, and they stopped making sense to me. I don't know what happened. I think I was I was channeling you as my four-year-old earlier today. I was like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I love it. I'm going to ask Klaus to listen and see what he says. But the headline says she'll be in season three, but... They're talking about how they're going to need to help the fight Savitar, who is the villain of season two, and we're only at the mid-season break. I would not think Savitar being the villain would go into season three. I would think it would only be wrapped up in second half of season two. So do we think she's coming after the break, or are we going to wait a whole season for her? Well, they may bring her in after the break and then carry her forward into season three. Yeah, that's what I would think. <laughs> All right, Klotz, I picked this one out just for you, sir. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to enjoy this because if I correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually went a little fanboy awesome, good in a good way, fanboy nuts about Sense Eight on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. Sense Eight returns with the first trailer for a two-hour Christmas special, so you're going to get the return of Sense Eight. I'm excited, man. I think uh, that show it's such a unique show. And it has such incredible storytelling possibilities. Uh, I do worry that it's going to be hurt a little bit by the delay that this season took to get out. And I worry that it's going to be hurt a little bit by uh, the one recasting because of uh, on-set conflict. But um, I'm really looking forward to what where they're going with this story. It, it has tremendous potential. So I got to admit, I, I started to watch it one night. It, it was late after a gig. And I remember, oh yeah, class has been telling me to watch it. And I was tired and couldn't 
quite follow the opening. I was like, man, I need to be able to focus. It seems like something you really want to follow and see all the things that happen. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot to go back to it. So I really need to pick it up and yep. watch it. I know it's all on Netflix. I can just burn right through it. And it'll be yeah. really good. Uh, well, you know, the thing is, though, ah, oh, man, the, the biggest hurdle, I think, for a lot of people watching that show is there is – it's a very socially progressive show. Meaning that, you know, like one of the main characters is transgendered. Um, another main character is homosexual. Uh, you know, there's a lot of social issues wrapped up in what the storytelling. And there's a lot of, you know, fairly gratuitous nudity and sex on screen. And it's not your typical vanilla heterosexual stuff. You know, it gets it gets kind of wacky. Uh, and I know that that can be a big barrier for a lot of people who are a little more traditionally minded or people who are just not super comfortable with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your typical HBO watching, you know, group is probably going to be just fine because they're not really all that, you know, unused to that. But for the average public, it's a little bit of a jump. Um, but... I think, you know, in that same vein, as some, you know, somebody who, what are you giggling about? <laughs> no, the, just, just continue, continue talking about veins. veins. Gotcha. Gotcha. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, man. Such a baby. Sorry. Elevate the show there, Chris. <laughs> it's, it's what, what I, I do. do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah lift, lift it upon your weak shoulders. <laughs> Paul, would you Go agree ahead. that uh, Sense8 is one of those slow burn shows it 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 takes it rewards effort yes so to speak yeah i mean it's it's one of those shows that you have to you have to commit yourself to it you know what i mean you have to release that's something that i've come to love recently is shows where they're like listen here's the thing we want you to relinquish yourself to us. Let us take you on this journey. Don't sit there and try to pick us apart and figure out where we're going. That That's a mistake. And Sense8 is absolutely one of those shows. I feel like Westworld is another one of those shows. Yeah. Oh, There's uh, uh, been watching Man in the High Castle. That's coming back, too. Um, I just caught up on the first season. That was another show that was like, stop trying to figure out what's going to happen. You're on a journey. We're taking you there. You know, like, just kick yeah. back and relax with us and ride with us because we, we want to show you some stuff. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's a great thing because, you know, the, oh, man, like there's so much TV, you know, where it's like, Oh, I figured it out. Yeah. You know, like, like, like if I watch uh, any of the DC stuff, right. It's like, Oh, well, this is how she's going to beat him. And sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. Like I'm talking yeah. about Supergirl or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's the only female on TV right now for <laughs> heroes right now. Right. Well, that's the one I've watched the most recently. So it was like, yeah. that was immediately what sprang to mind, but it's like, it's stuff like that. It, some of it is, it's good, but it's still relatively predictable, but no sensate is not. And there are a number of other shows now that are the same way. Uh, they're just, you got to go along for the ride. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. I found the same thing with Mr. Robot. Um, that was a show that yeah. I really oh, yeah. wasn't sure that I was going to love until probably around the sixth episode. You know, yeah. I hung with it and yeah. it was worth it. Yeah. Mr. Robot is, is, oh my God. Yeah. It's really good. And it, it it's, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to leave it there. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, see, I've seen all of season one. I can't wait to. I want to wait till season two's fully on Amazon. I'm going to binge it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in an interesting time right now. 
You know, it's we've got a mixture of shows that are, are, you know, full on popcorn shows that you see every twist and turn coming a mile away, but you still kind of dig it. But there's so many shows out there right now, like the ones we're talking about, that will challenge you a little bit and and not assume that you're an idiot right out of the gate. And you can't help but love that stuff. Yeah. Since eight, two hour Christmas special will be on Netflix December twenty third, and season two will launch on May fifth of twenty seventeen. So that's where you'll get your fix. Mm-hmm. And speaking of fix, we <laughs> Chris found a very awesome, awesome tidbit that we're going to get to right after this break. Again, you know, help us help us keep some beer in our mugs and some. Uh, some censored material and their other censored material holders. So <laughs> listen to the ads and we'll be right back here in just a minute. And we're back. So Chris found this really, really cool article just before the show. Joe Casada to direct Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. spinoff. And I personally was like, what? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read this and then, of course, we'll, we'll talk about it because I don't know anything about this. This is the first time I'm hearing anything about this. Uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is currently on mid-season break, as we all know, but fans can still visit the Marvel Cinematic Universe via the digital miniseries Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot. Okay, I did see a little tidbit across Facebook on this where you could watch the web series. It focuses on uh, Yo-Yo Rodriguez of the Secret Warriors, whose uh, codename in Marvel Comics Universe is Slingshot. And it's going to be, wow, interesting. So Joe Casada actually is directing this little miniseries. I, I don't know. I didn't, Klotz, uh, Mike, what do you think? Because I, I think she's an okay character, but not enough for me to actually want to go online and watch the miniseries. I love this kind of stuff. The, the, the little side things where uh, stuff that, that, you'd never see make it to network TV gets a chance to, to stretch its wings a little bit. And really the big news sure. about this isn't so much the, the character gets her little side thing. It's the fact that Joe, Joe Quesada is directing it. And while he's been involved in TV and a producer status, this is the first time he's gotten his fingers into the actual creation of the show. So I'm really curious to see how it turns out. And I'll watch the thing start to finish just to find that out. Fair enough. I, I did watch some of these things when uh, Heroes was on. They do little side snippets about uh, eight, uh, heroes in the world that you hadn't seen in the main TV series and those kind of things. But I just it this kind of delivery I, it normally doesn't grab me. But I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Uh, Klotz, what do you think? Um, I'm not like excited. I don't know. I'm sorry. Are you? Well, <laughs> don't I, don't be sorry. Um, I, let me ask you this: How big a fan of you are the show? To are you for the show itself? Um, my love has waned. Uh, that answers <laughs> the question. This is the kind of thing that really only fans of the show are going to dig into. You know, I, I, I do enjoy the show. I have it. My enjoyment of the show has been at a greater height in the past. That is that is ultimately the problem. The first season I I had, you know, obviously the first season was what it was. And it was like I, I tolerated it. I was like, whatever. It's these are cool characters. This is cool storytelling. Um, you know, the big switch with Grant was just like, OK, all right. And I just feel like ever since then, like that's the second season 
you know, there there was some solid stuff in there, but I just see it kind of running in circles a lot. And this season has cool elements to it, but it doesn't feel like the same show anymore to me. And, and so I'm just not super, I don't know. I, I don't dislike Yo-Yo as a character. Um, I don't know. I don't dislike her. I just, it, it fits Simmons, those two. I would watch a miniseries based on those two. Those characters excellent. grab me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the actress who plays Yo-Yo is excellent. I think what little screen time she actually gets is fun. But that kind of character didn't go, oh, I want to see more of what she can do, as opposed to Fitzsimmons, who have no powers. I want to see what they can do. I mean, they're just fun. Sure. I, I, w- I would kill to see a, a project like this surrounding May. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love that. As long as she's not brooding angry May the entire time, because that I'm so done with that. <laughs> like, I realize yeah, uh, that that's, that's a pretty big part of the character, but... It, it's and I think we can all agree that we would just wet our pants for a Coulson miniseries. Um, well, I will. Well, that's, this is, yeah. that's what this was supposed to be. Originally, yeah, this is right? basically what this is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I, like I, I said, I, I I still like the show. The show Shield is not the show I wanted it to be, and right. a lot of people kind of feel that way. I think about it, uh, but it. I'm going to use a phrase that I hate. It is what it is. And I do enjoy it. I like it. Uh, probably a little more than Paul. But um, w- with a character like Yo-Yo, I get all cynical about stuff like this. And I feel like, you know, the actor and actress playing Fitzsimmons uh, may have asked for, for more money than they wanted to pay to do this kind of project, you know, or, or Colson or May or anything like that. So they had to go to a C-list character from the show and, and do that. But like I said, it's it's interesting enough for me to to check it out. And there are enough people who get their entertainment strictly from the web. And I'm not talking about like uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu. You know, uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff on YouTube Mm -hmm. for fans like us to get into. It's hard to find, but worth the look. And so I kind of put this in that category and I don't have any trouble searching that out and and enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Totally get that. So before we wrap up, we will have a comment on the website. That is giantsizeteamup.com forward slash breaking the panel. You can leave comments on all of the shows that are there as you like. As Super Stewie says, as always, laughing hard during a show, man. Thank you, Stewie. We, we definitely appreciate you. And definitely, I personally appreciate all support that you show and give for me and the network and, and all of us around here. Uh, find us in iTunes. Go and give us a review. We'd love to read your review on the show. Go to giantsizeteamup.com. Find all the awesome shows there. Patreon.com forward slash breaking the panel is where you can support everything that we do. And of course, Facebook.com forward slash breaking the panel. And Twitter is at panel breakers. So tune in next week to hear Mike Woodard say, uh, No, sorry guys. Not going to be able to do it. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I love it. Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team-Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.